Yeah, so we'll be speaking now with Orbert Madondo, who is an Ottawa-based um, blogger, photographer, and the founder and editor of Canadian Progressive and Zimbabwe Progressive, which are independent publications. Orbert, hi. Are you there? Yes, I am. Oh, hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, so, Orbert, you you were also involved, like Gertrude, in the opposition in Zimbabwe. Can you can you tell me a little bit about that period of time? What was Zimbabwe like at that time? It was probably what it is today. It was not something that anyone should really smile about. The problem with Zimbabwe is that we Zimbabweans have been from the beginning saying. Zimbabwe is led by a violent system and a violent leader. Mm -hmm. And that, that system was ZANU-PF, and that leader was Robert Mugabe. Unfortunately, Robert Mugabe is gone, but the system is still in place. In fact, it's even stronger than it was before Mugabe's resignation yesterday. So is there reason to be jubilant? I mean, people are in the streets, they're very happy, people are celebrating. Is, that, is there a danger in being jubilant right now? When I was a young man growing up in the village in Zimbabwe, I met a woman from Matebeleland uh, in southern Zimbabwe. She is one of the many people who lost their loved ones during the so-called Gukura Hundi massacres that were perpetrated by Robert Mugabe in the 1980s. Mm -hmm. 20,000 ethnic Ndebele-speaking people were killed. The first thing that came to my mind when I heard that there was going to be a coup in Zimbabwe, I picked up the phone and I spoke with somebody in Zimbabwe. And I said, who is behind the coup? Who is using the military to oust Robert Mugabe from power, and I was told, Emerson Mnangagwa, and I just got depressed because he has been at the center of the violence that Robert Mugabe has perpetrated since 1980. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm not sure I can advise anybody to be smiling right now because what happened was just the removal of one of the many heads of a violent system but the system is still in place in fact before Mnangagwa became uh, the future president that is going to be on Friday mm -hmm. he was probably the second most feared man in Zimbabwe because of his involvement in the violence that Robert Mugabe perpetrated can you tell us a bit more about this violence? I mean, that's, you know, 20,000 people is, is a lot of people. What happened in this massacre? Can you give a little bit of contextual background, you know, the area where this took place and why? Yes, it happened in two provinces of Zimbabwe called Matibelaland and the Midlands. And uh, after independence from uh, uh, colonial rule in 1980, South Africa sponsored... Um, uh, a group that, according to the Mugabe regime, wanted to uh, overthrow Zimbabwe. South Africa had this policy of destabilizing um, neighboring countries. But the group that was operating in these two provinces didn't consist of even more than two dozen so-called uh, terrorists. 
But Mugabe went in using the military, using the secret police called the Central Intelligence Organization, using a branch of the military that was trained by South, uh, North Korea called the 5th Brigade. And they killed more than 20,000 ethnic Ndebele people. When I met this woman in the 1980s, she told me stories of people being forced to dig their own graves before they were forced in and buried alive. And mm-hmm. some were disappeared. And Emerson Munangagwa was the Minister of National Security. He was responsible for the Central Intelligence Organization, which took part in those atrocities. And so to see that same man becoming president today, it's really depressing because the prospect of justice for these people is just not there anymore. In the 2000s, when I was involved in opposition politics, I helped Zimbabwe elect its first independent MP, Margaret Dongo, in uh, a in a a district in Harare called Harare South. And she had been a member of Mugabe, and we actually defeated ZANU-PF and the state machinery in that one district and elected Zimbabwe's first post-independence independent MP. And one of the dreams that we had then in the the 1990s was that this would be the beginning of the end of both Robert Mugabe and Zanu Pia. But today we are talking about a different story altogether. The departure of Robert Mugabe leaving behind a rejuvenated Zanu Pia is just is driving me crazy. Well, they say that there are supposed to be elections that will take place in September 2018. Is there reason to be hopeful that maybe even though Mnanagwa will take power on Friday, is there any, you know, is there any reason to be optimistic that maybe other people could be involved in the transitional process and actually have a fair election next year? They have, or uh, ZANU-PF has already said that it will not be um, entertaining any prospect of a so-called transitional government, because they have right now, I think, 75% control of parliament. They have 100% uh, backing from the military and other security agencies. They have the support of so many Zimbabweans who have been made to believe that this is the beginning of a new Zimbabwe. So if an election was to be held in uh, 10 months as per uh, the plan, as per the constitution, I don't see the opposition really winning. So we are going to have Amunangago being uh, elected president for the next five years. And I don't Mm -hmm. see ZANU-PF allowing uh, the prospect of justice for all these atrocities being addressed in those five years. And um, it's just, uh, I don't know how to put it, but I don't justice for all these people coming home anytime soon. And I mentioned the 20,000 uh, killed in, uh, in the 1980s. There are also uh, more than 2,000 killed between 2000 and 2008. And again, um, Monangagwa was 
the center of the violence. And I don't see him allowing justice for these atrocities. I don't see that happening. And so these other uh, killings that took place, in what context was that? Was that, you know, in terms of uh, opposition to people who were, who were um, against the government? Or what, in what context did that occur? Between 2000 well, and 2008? The, the, the violence took place around the 2000 um, elections, which were the first real um, elections where ZANU-PF uh, met uh, like a strong opposition movement in the form of the movement for democratic change. And uh, around the same time these elections were being held, there were also the invasions of uh, so-called white-owned farms. And so many people were, were killed. And between then and 2008, more than 2,000 people were killed. So again, those people were killed in political violence that was um, directed by the military, by ZANU-PF and ZANU-PF's uh, uh, centers of power, including the, the, the war veterans of the Liberation War, as well as the Collaborators um, Association of that uh, Liberation War. So I don't see justice for all these people with ZANU-PF in power. It just, it's just not going to happen. I'd like to talk about the economic uh, situation in Zimbabwe. As we know, uh, it's pretty dire, and uh, Zimbabwe has been in default on an over nine billion dollars in debt. And uh, you know, when we, when, when you and I met, you had expressed concern that Mugabe's departure would actually, you know, end up po possibly liberalizing the economy because a lot of people seem to be watching developments. Um, on the ground, and people are very much in favor of Mnanagwa taking power. I'm talking about, you know, uh, Western governments, for example. So can you talk about what what you see happening if uh, when um, Mnanagwa takes power in terms of economic uh, the economic developments in the country? Mnanagwa is a business-friendly leader. Even before he got to where he is today, there was talk in the in sections of the international media that he would be an acceptable alternative to Robert Mugabe. In other words, all of these corporate interests from China, from South Africa, from uh, uh, the UK and other places, they were preparing for a future that excluded Robert Mugabe but included uh, Emerson Manangagwa. So I see a situation where Western policymakers and corporate interests will embrace Monangagwa the way they have embraced uh, people like uh, uh, Paul Kagame of Rwanda, who is accused of so many human rights violations, but he provides the environment that allows these corporate interests to extract uh, Rwanda's resources. And Zimbabwe has a lot of resources that are waiting to be um, exploited. And with Munangagwa in power, he's just going to open up the economy. He's just going to open up, you know, access to these resources and uh, allow the same extraction of resources that's happening in places like uh, uh, Zambia to take place in Zimbabwe. And I don't see 
Zimbabweans really participating in the in the um, redistribution of their wealth beyond just being uh, employees in companies that are extracting their own resources, as is happening in other places, including um, South Africa, for example. Okay, I have just one last question for you, which is, what what is your plan? Are you uh, you know, here in Canada or, you know, are you thinking of going back to Zimbabwe? What do you think will be your role in these, uh, in the next uh, step of Zimbabwe's future? I would like to believe that for the first time in 14 years, I will be able to return to Zimbabwe because uh, I have not been able to do so since coming to Canada as a political refugee in 2000. And I even lost my son, and I was not able to um, to go back to Zimbabwe. So I hope to return to Zimbabwe soon, but I'm not interested in being part of that system. I'm interested in being part of a stronger opposition to that system, and an opposition that will be based on the issues, including the issues of justice for all these people who were murdered or who were forced to um, live lives of pain and suffering because of ZANU-PF. So yes, I do hope to re-engage with Zimbabwe, but in the context of fighting for human rights and fighting ZANU-PF, because real political change in Zimbabwe and democracy will come after ZANU-PF has been removed from power. Okay, thank you so much, Obert. Okay, I actually wanted to dive in as Zara's co-host. Obert, this is is Gwen, Zara's co-host, and I've been fascinated by what you have to say and uh, really appreciate it. But we actually have a couple of minutes, and so I just wanted to ask a final question because you, in the end, you talk about how you want to dive into the opposition, that actually there is a space for change that may have opened up, that you're considering going back for the first time. And I guess that's what caught my interest interest because um, yes, maybe so many people in Zimbabwe have been manipulated by ZANU-PF and they see this change in leadership as, a, as an opportunity and you've very rightly pointed out, as did Gertrude Hambura, that, that that is not opening the door to change. But what about the rest of the people out on the street? You know, we think of Burkina Faso, we think of the Arab Spring where... a space opened up and an opportunity opened up to maybe push through real change. Is there that space in Zimbabwe right now? Because you you paint a fairly dark portrait of its immediate future. I think the prospect is there if we focus on the issues. Um, About a year ago, I uh, started the Zimbabwean Progressive, and I wanted to focus on something specific. I had been observing Robert Mugabe sort of... uh, creating what, you know, people now call digital authoritarianism. This is where people like Robert Mugabe, the former president of Zimbabwe, would try to extend their authoritarian authoritarianism into um, the digital sphere. And so if I'm going to re-engage with Zimbabwe, I'm going to focus on the issue of... Uh, digital right because before he quit he just robert mugabe just created a new ministry that's dedicated it's being called a first in africa and it's a ministry that 
that's dedicated to um, suppressing Zimbabweans on the digital sphere. Yeah. So I'm going to be focusing on that, try to try and make Zimbabweans and friends of Zimbabwe understand that this regime has so many tentacles, and one of them is the use of, in this case, the internet, the social media to perpetuate its power, but also to suppress the opposition, the political opposition and human rights activists. So this is one of the ways in which the new opposition that should emerge can really mount a strong opposition against um, Robert Mugabe. I would like to see the, the current opposition in Zimbabwe really taking up issues, issues like human rights. If you look at the the coverage of the Zimbabwe coup and the crisis and the departure of Robert Mugabe, you don't hear a lot of talk about human rights. You don't hear a lot of talk about whether Robert Mugabe will be called to account for his violence. In fact, he has just been extended um, immunity from uh, from uh, prosecution, which means if Robert Mugabe, with all the murders that happened, can be extended immunity so early, the other people associated with ZANU-PF, with the army, with all these parts of the system that strengthened his dictatorship, they are going to get away with murder. So we need to focus on the issues. And I want to be focusing on the two issues that I care about, justice for those who were murdered, as well as digital rights. So those are the two areas that I will be focusing and uh, I'll be focusing on, and I'm going to be writing a lot on my, uh, my blog, The Zimbabwean Progressive. A nice way to wrap this up. Obert uh, Madondo, thank you so much for joining yes, us thank on Amandla. You, Thank you for having me. Bye-bye.